Welcome to the Spotlight Series from the Do More Good Podcast. You're listening to the Do More Good Podcast. The Do More Good Podcast. Uh, welcome to Do More Good Podcast. Do More Good. Do Good, Do More. Do More Good Podcast. Do More Good Podcast. That's what you want me to say. Yeah. You're okay. listening to the Do More Good Podcast. The Spotlight Series celebrates the stars of the sector. We're taking 20 minutes to talk about whatever topic is on their mind. Head to domoregood.uk forward slash spotlight to find out more and book your own 15 minutes of fundraising fame. Okay, here we are, James. We're back again for another Spotlight episode. How are you doing? I'm good, Kenneth. I'm good. Um, Another Zoom call. And I've been seeing on, mainly on the Twitter this week, about how do you end it? And now I'm feeling really self-conscious because I'm a, I'm a bit of a waver. I wave at the end of a call. I don't know about you. I've, I'm now trying to remember how you end things. <laughs> no, I'm certainly a, a waver as well. But it's normally, it's that five finger spread that you just kind of see normally come up from the bottom of the screen. And then that little, that little shimmy there, which, yeah, I'm sure someone's got to do a meme or an article or something about what, what your end of Zoom call wave means. Yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, because now I'm feeling really self. As I said, I'm feeling really self-conscious every time I end a call. So this one could go on for hours. Oh, be aware. We well, be- our guest is already looking at that, thinking about that, and thinking, I hope, I hope not. I haven't heard our dribble for the last few minutes. But anyway, you keeping all right, James? Yeah, all good. All good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not lots going on, but the sun is shining. We're getting this uh, this lovely weather that we normally get in September getting out and enjoying that i've actually been for a been for a bit of a walk today just get out at lunchtime get away from the desk i mean i know there's you know i was speaking to someone this week actually just about the whole kind of well-being from home point and actually things that you can do and the person i was speaking to she suggested that i kind of write five things down that i try to do each day to help with my well-being and, and one of them is kind of getting out and getting away from the desk because i'm sure like a lot of people listening these four walls seem very close you feel very confined. So yeah, great outdoors, I think is, a, is something I'm sticking to. Yeah, nice. Anyway, let's, let's crack on because we are recording this over a lunchtime period. So I'm, I'm sure our guest has got places to go. But yeah, we've got a really great guest on this week who we've been, I think she's been listening to the podcast for a, for a few months, a little while. She's nodding. We tried to get a time to speak to her, I think last year, just things got in the way. And then she got in touch again recently. So thank her for that and said, look, I'm really keen to come on and talk about this subject area, which I'm, I'm passionate about, which is getting more young people and getting more diversity into kind of volunteer and trustee roles. Welcome Alice Rath to the podcast. Alice, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. I have been listening for a while. It's one of my favourite sector podcasts. I love it on my commute. <laughs> you don't need to say that just because you're here as well, you know. that, that you can Yeah, become... that's true. I was bribed. <laughs> <laughs> Alice, your well-being, we were just chatting, is, is around birthdays and, and safari parks. What a week. Yeah. yeah, it was my birthday yesterday, so I'm, I'm officially old now, <laughs> at the age of 24. Um, so yeah, I just had a nice week off. <laughs> It was really lovely. So thank oh, you so much. Good. So Alice, I mean, I know we've, we've shared a, a few emails and the conversations before we get in here, but why don't you just talk us about your, your journey into the sector? Uh, I mean, I know yours started quite young from a, from a volunteer perspective, but just update everyone on, on, on how that's worked out for you. Really, I got involved in the sector because I was a patient at Great Ormond Street for about 12 years. I have a rare slash undiagnosed gastro condition. 
So when Great Ormond Street was setting up their own youth forum, I was kind of in a unique position because I'd been through most of their services. And it started off a room of about eight young people. I was 14 at the time. And I, that was just something I really loved doing. You know, we got to talk to the chief executive. We got to talk to every head of department. And the purpose was to improve the hospital for teenage patients. And I loved doing that. And it got me really involved in sort of that voluntary side. So then I started doing volunteering for the charity. So that was like bucket collections, going to cheer points, which was so much fun. And um, I was doing all that while I was at school. And then it came to a point where I had to leave school and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I just decided to do a year of work before going to university because my school funneled everyone into uni and then when I went to work I realized that I really liked marketing I just fell into a marketing role in a Japanese printer company realized printers probably wasn't my passion but I did love marketing did my research and thought digital marketing was the way to go I think because I had all that experience in the voluntary side I found a position at the Stroke Association so I started there when I was 19 which was wow really exciting and that's kind of when the whole prospect of trusteeship kind of came to the forefront of my mind i remember looking at their trustees and other trustees across the sector because i was very keen to learn and i felt like the sector was something where i could really push my career when i looked on the website i kind of had a look at who they were i noticed two things the first was their age and the second was their position so they were either a chief exec head of or you know high up as a consultant in the sector and I was just thinking okay so that means you need a lot of time because of the role and it must be very demanding and you must need to be an expert in your field so that's why you need to be head off and that's kind of where I left it I kind of just parked the idea thought maybe if I'm smashing it in my 40s I'll apply to be a trustee so I went about my life jumped to scope and then went to Macmillan and it was actually at Macmillan where I was on Twitter one day, obviously in my lunch break. <laughs> and yeah, I came across something called the Young Trustees Movement, which I hadn't heard of before. Well, it's an intersectional movement about getting uh, improving board diversity, but their main focus is getting more young people on board. So at the moment, only 3% of trustees are under the age of 30. And they want to double this figure by 2024, I believe. So I'm working with them at the moment as a young trustee champion to work with organisations and actually also work with young people to give them the confidence to apply to be a trustee and also talk to organisations to give them the confidence to work with young trustees. So it's kind of a two-pronged approach, really. And that was really interesting for me because it, it really gave me the confidence. I think I had a lot of confidence anyway, but then I realised, oh, I actually, yeah, I can do that. So I just applied. <laughs> I went on to reach volunteering and I found a role at Crohn's and Colitis UK. And it sat really well. They were quite local to me. And I felt like I could be an ally to those with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis just because I had a gastro condition. And even though um, I didn't have the the condition myself I felt like I could work very closely with that charity and I applied and got an interview and the trustees that interviewed me were so lovely they were very aware that I wasn't going to have all the experience so I'd been on um, by that point I'd been on the NHSU forum 
and also as a Great Ormond Street governor. So I had a bit of board experience, but nothing in a trustee role. Mm. And they were very aware of that, but they, they wanted a young trustee. I think a lot of people who are diagnosed are under the age of 20. So they wanted to make sure they had that representation from board level. And yeah, just really understanding. So when I got the role, I was so excited and just felt like I could really make a difference. And I've been there for nearly a year now. Wow. Do you think this was your love of this and your, your passion for it was sparked by that, that initial experience at Gosh? Because that sounds brilliant. So what did you say they had? It was eight young people. You were 14 mm-hmm. at the time and you were meeting with the chief exec and I guess kind of giving them your opinions on, on, on things and being involved and seeing that come to fruition. Do you think that's what sparked it? Yeah, definitely. I thinking back, I never wanted to do it at first, and uh, my mum pushed me to do it because she said it would be, you know, standard, it'd be good for your CV. And then when I got those opportunities, I thought, well, this is incredible, and it really helped me with my confidence at work. I was able to talk in meetings, and a large part of me being ill was as a teenager, so I was very bitter and actually quite angry at points, which obviously I grew out of. But it really sort of helped me looking back as well. I think it has shaped me into a better person I hope anyway so now I'm really passionate and I love the sector I've seen what the charity's done for me and other patients um, and working in the sector as well as a digital marketer I've seen the great work charities do and Mm. I just love being part of that (laughs) in any way possible being able to do that at board level is incredible. I guess one point you, you mentioned about young trustees and obviously them trying to get, I mean, 3% under 30 is just a remarkable figure. I haven't heard of that figure before. And trying to double it by 2024 sounds, sounds possible. But what, what is the main barrier that, that they face? Is it, is it from young people themselves? Like you were, you know, you had some experience when you were 14. You, you were maybe a little bit ahead of the curve from maybe a lot of younger people in terms of applying and understanding what that might look like. Or do we see that it's on the organisational side where they're just not really considering it? And as, as you touched on, you know, a board of trustees still stereotypically looks men, middle-aged, white predominantly, although hopefully we're seeing that change. Yeah, where, where, do, you, where do you see some of the issues that they're facing to get to, to, to where they want to get to? Yeah, that's a great question, actually, because I think, I think it's from both sides. So my theory is that if large charities got on, get on board, the rest will follow. As we, I know from working in the sector, charities like to look to what their competitors are doing and seeing other charities do it kind of gives them the confidence to get on board. When I was working as digital marketing manager at Girl Guiding earlier this year, I left in February and at that point I left, they had just recu- recruited two young trustees. So that's an example of a youth organisation that is, was just getting on board with a young trustee, which is obviously incredible. But it made me think about the other youth organisations that are probably missing that Mm. and the other organisations that could still have a lot of value from having a young person. So I think by getting some larger charities on board, that will really help the process. And then I think, again, the Young Trustees movement is working with uh, organisations to give them the resources. I think if a, a board might not know the best way to recruit a young trustee, so having sort of better board diversity means exploring more avenues for recruitment it means making the process a little bit easier easy I think I was thinking about this the other day if you make everything simpler 
putting board papers on the UK reading age, it makes things more accessible across the board, not just for young people, but from everyone, because there's probably so many people working outside the sector that would love to do something like that, but it'd probably just put off. Mm. That sounds like there's two sides to it, as, you, as you've been describing, but Crohn's and colitis, that sounds like a really good step. They actively went out and looked for young trustees. I guess them taking the first step and encouraging applications from younger people obviously you being 24 you're past it now you know yeah looking for younger people seems like a great first step so as you say kind of getting bigger organizations to actively talk about that yeah definitely i think they put on their recruitment that they were looking for a diverse range of applicants i think boards need to be explicit about who they're looking for if they're looking for a young trustee if they are looking for someone who lives in wales i think being really clear about that will help them find the the diversity they're looking for i think also about just making sure that their board is representative of the world we live in today so some some more stats for you guys i do love some data i think it's 90 percent of trustees are white and then two-thirds of trustees are men and I believe it's 75% of trustees have a household income that's above the UK average. So if, yeah, if you do kind of put that stereotype, it's white men over a certain age um, with a certain income, that doesn't really represent most charities or their beneficiaries. So how are they going to be able to lead transformational change without that? Yeah. Um, and I think charities really do want to get on board. I think they just need a bit of support. Mm. So there's lots of resources out there, but I think the first step is recruitment, going to different places, looking locally, so going out to potentially universities if you are looking for a young trustee. Uh, there's lots of youth forums and they tend to be people that are more likely to get involved because they've probably done stuff before. And even going out to youth charities and asking for their advice. Um, the British Youth Council have a board of all young trustees. So all below the age of 30 and they're really good to look to for advice. Yeah, I guess that's a really good point around not just asking for a more diverse board, but actually where do you advertise that? How do you reach those people rather than, than just saying you're after that? How do you mm. go out and find them? Yeah, it's yeah, kind of the exactly. same with the recruitment message, isn't it? It's like exactly, yeah. if you recruit in the, you can ask for whatever you want, but if you recruit in the same channels you've been recruiting in forever, you're going to get exactly the same type of, of candidates. Mm. Alice, thinking about your experience, and hopefully, you know, some people will obviously hear this, hear this interview and, and hear the podcast and are maybe sit, sitting there thinking, you know, they'd love to play a part in a charity as a trustee. But like you already touched on, you know, there's, there's quite a few barriers. Have I got the experience? Is it going to be all people who are a lot cleverer than I? Am I going to get talked down to because of my age? You know, all of those different thoughts that have gone, would go through people's minds. Can you talk a bit about actually like what, what your experience has, has been? And I appreciate this is just one perspective, but maybe some of the, the challenges that you face, but also the really good, good parts of it. Yeah. So I think a, a challenge would obviously be as a, a new trustee, the, the whole process. So as I said, I did have a bit of board experience as a governor. As a, I'm a patient governor for Great Ormond Street. So generally in board meetings, my questions need to be tailored around patients. Mm -hmm. And that sort of process can be quite strict. Whereas as a trustee, I realised that I could ask a question about anything. So my, my role is a digital trustee and obviously being young as well. Um, but I can ask questions on finance or anything like that. So that was really, uh, that felt quite odd for me. So I'm still getting used to that. Um, again, I think I need to be more confident to ask questions in meetings. So I would advise if you are 
looking to be a trustee or you've just got a new trustee position is to prep some questions to ask so you go ahead and you know what to do there when I was new and I was a little bit shy I would send some of my questions to the chair ahead of time so she uh, was able to sort of guide me through that Crohn's and colitis was really great as well they also gave me a mentor so just someone that I could ask questions to outside of meetings a familiar face so someone that I had a call with beforehand and just made the process really really easy so I would recommend if your charity hasn't done that Uh, ask for a mentor or ask for someone that you can speak to directly and ask questions outside of the board meeting and I think just asking lots of questions is a really good Mm. way to go forward just really learn about the charity also be passionate about the charity as well bearing in mind the work that you're putting in I think you really do need to really have that drive to go to those board meetings with the right questions and that right direction it's almost like the word the word board meeting is is kind of isn't fit anymore isn't it because like board meeting has certain connotations of like massive big oak board table you know chair sitting at the end everybody in suits because everyone you go and look at trustees of a charity and they're normally suited and booted as we've already talked about what they look like and so there's that that's the idea of what a board of trustees looks like which I'm sure it doesn't look like anything like that at all it's completely different but people have that in their mind and that intimidates them in an office as well when the trustees are in everybody knows oh watch out yeah don't go anywhere in the meeting room trustees are in be on your best behavior yes Kenneth's got a tie on yeah yeah Yeah, exactly so yeah so I guess I guess the question is is that what it's like a little bit I want to say I think I'm they are they are so excited to have a young trustee. I always get that. They always say, oh, ask us what she thinks, which is really great. I'm very lucky to be at a charity where they are so excited. I'm aware that's not everyone's experience. Some of the, the older trustees, they do wear very smart attire. I rock up in trainers. I don't like, <laughs> well, I don't care, but um, I'm very relaxed. Your ties around your head instead of around your neck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah they're very ready to to change and mix things up and to have new ideas Mm. so I was working with the digital team and again they're just really really happy to have a young trustee so I think from my experience is just getting organizations to feel comfortable I think a lot of them could see the benefits of having a young person especially uh, organizations that work with young people and you, you've already said about it, you've had five years in, in the field of the not-for-profit sector, obviously experienced before that, been acted as a trustee. What's your hopes for the future in terms of the impact that your trustee role and the volunteer and your involvement in the sector at that level will have on your career? What, how, do you, how do you think about that when you look at your future? So I always, when I was working in the sector, I always just thought, oh, I just want to be a director of marketing and that was my goal. Um, and then I got into a manager position at Girl Guiding and realised I missed running like Facebook campaigns and doing ads. So I now work as a freelance marketer, uh, working with charities, and I get to work with loads of charities, which is sort of the dream, really. So I think, as I kind of mentioned, being a trustee has given me a lot of confidence. I really want to make sure that my career is still strongly embedded into the sector. I'd like to continue being a trustee while still doing some youth advocacy and hopefully if I can be a trustee for long enough working with an organization as a trustee to get them to bring on young people and diversity getting them to understand the benefits 
and so doing more talks around that and just supporting organizations with the right resources so yeah i very understand that you know i'm a, a white cis woman championing diversity um, but giving those people the opportunities because I believe they're out there and they want to be trustees is just giving them the confidence to apply mm. and making sure organisations are receptive to that. Yeah, it sounds like it's a win-win for everyone involved. So that you know, why would you not have a young person on your on your board? Mm. It's another person in the room. Is it? You know, that's, that sounds it's good for the organisation. It's it's good for your development as well. I really liked what you said about being an ally as well to um, mm. to Cranes and Cabas. You kind of represent people on that on that board. If people wanted to follow in your footsteps, would you? What would you suggest? Getting in touch with the the movement that you talked about, maybe maybe contacting you for some advice, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. So I'm just Alice Rap on Twitter. People can always ask me questions. I've helped people with their trustee applications before. I would also say look at the Young Trustees Movement. They're doing incredible work. They've got lots of roles that they're advertising from organisations that are specifically looking for young trustees. And I would say if you're applying to be a trustee and you've got that niche uh, that you can add, make sure you really accentuate that in your application and tell them that they lack diversity. Tell them why they need you. Don't be afraid to call them out, which I did. (laughs) Make them feel guilty because um, that's how you start change. Mm -hmm. And then for people that aren't trustees and that may be working in the sector, I would say don't be afraid to ask questions about trustee recruitment and how you're going to bring in a broader range of applicants or asking questions about the current board and if they are fully representative of the beneficiaries. It seems like a good time. thing to do. Yeah, I bet it is scary. I'm sure it is scary. But it does seem like like the right time. You know, I think that everything that we've been through as a society over the last five months, obviously change is coming in a lot of different ways, shapes and formats. But I think the point that I take from from what you were just saying, James, and, and, and you earlier, Alice, was about charities need to look to the future. They need to look at how their donors will look in future, how their beneficiaries and services will look in future. The upcoming generation is the, fund, the, the, the supporters, the legacy givers, the regular donors, the major gifts of, of the future. And so the earlier you can in, engage younger people in your charity's cause or mission, the, the better I see it. But it seems like at the moment, a way that a charity does that is they go, oh, shit, we need to do something that attracts this demographic. Let's put a, put a product out. They don't necessarily look at the long term and say, well, actually, how are we as an organization going to meet the going to attract this audience in future? And actually having a trustee, a young trustee, you can come and give that give that perspective, that different point of view mm-hmm. is going to be beneficial. So hopefully we see it a lot more. Yeah, definitely. And I think I do worry that organisations think that they're going to get a young trustee and they're going to turn up and be really unprofessional, which, you know, I'm not saying that that wouldn't happen, but I've been in board meetings with other young people. I've been in a board meeting with a guy who's 18 and he spoke so, so well, not to patronise him, but he really put everyone else to shame. And I thought, wow, like a a trustee position would be perfect for you. A charity would be so lucky to have you. Because as a young person, uh, he had finance experience and that was what he was going to go off and pursue at university. So just the idea as well that you can be a young trustee, but that's not just uh, one part of your role. You can also Mm. be a treasurer or a digital trustee, so it's about just opening that up as well. 
Yeah, because I think like young people are getting such bad rep at the moment as well. Like, I yeah. mean, we always, I know we, uh, especially if you're you're older, you always oh the the kids these days. Me and James have joked about it in the past. We all want to be there. We've been there once. The days are behind us. Just I mean, just generally, young people are getting a, a pretty bad rep. Um, obviously, with everything that that's going on and inserting not to name names, but certain, certain kind of media outlets. So I think it's, you know, it's great to hear, Alice, what, what, what you're doing. I think it's great to hear what, you know, the Young Trustees movement is doing. And hopefully this, this helps kind of get it on more people's thought process and agenda. Yeah, I hope so. If you know, anyone could take something away from this, I would just say just don't be afraid to ask questions and learn more. Hopefully by asking those questions, you'll make people think a little bit and just start those conversations, which will get the ball rolling. Before we let you go, as a long-term listener to the podcast, you will know that we love an award winner around here. (laughs) So quickly tell us about the Diana Award. Oh yeah, I got my Diana Award in July. I did the remote ceremony while I was working. (laughs) So that was for my nine years volunteering in healthcare and charity sector. So being a governor, being a trustee, being on two youth forums and working with a few of my local NHS trusts to help them diversify their patient panels. So bringing on some younger people as well. So that was incredible. And obviously you don't want an award, but it's nice to know that the work you're doing has been good. And just give me joy to keep going. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't got it yet, but still waiting. (laughs) Congratulations. And yeah. I think like I think like the rest of the, the fundraising and charity sector, Alice, it sounds like there's a good theme for a podcast here, a young trustees podcast. Ever thought about starting uh, one of those? <laughs> I really hate the sound of my own voice, which is funny considering I'm doing this. But they do <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the social change agency run the young trustees movement and they do some podcast episodes on that. But yeah, I'm definitely trying to work my way, continue working my way into the sector and sort of bringing people I know you love Twitter but bringing people away from Twitter a little bit and onto Instagram I think <laughs> We're, we we have we are I think we are going for the for the award of most dull Instagram feed of all time of shots of, of our laptops when we're editing or putting the occasional beer that's, that's pretty can... but but do tune in do follow I mean it's, yeah <laughs> very yeah. true I know I've come off Instagram I come off Instagram probably four months ago I think not come off it I've still got a profile on there but just like remove the app from my phone because then I was just kind of finding the monotonous scrolling but I'm now uh, addicted to TikTok so uh, obviously someone (laughs) something else has just grabbed my attention yes me too I think I spent 17 hours on it last week I'm joking I tell myself it's for my job but it's not (laughs) 12 12 hours of research obviously um, yeah. but actually, I haven't seen much on from the the charity sector on TikTok yet. I don't. I know there's been a few campaigns that have launched. They had some kind of donation mechanism, but I mean, just the audience numbers alone. I mean, I think they did a hundred million accounts in Europe recently. They announced that. I mean, obviously, we know we've got they've got issues in various other territories across the world, but it's mm. it's people's attention, right? And that's all about marketing is is where are those people and how do we kind of get get their attention. Are you doing anything, are you looking at TikTok in any interesting way at all, Alice, or any, any charities you've seen using it? Yeah, I am, because I'm waiting for charities to find someone. They're like, oh, I need TikTok. But I think the only charity I've seen do, do it and do it really well is Red Cross. Yes. Um, so they did a lot with coronavirus around hand washing 
I think the only challenge is for charities probably is to create content that's engaging without a call to action necessarily. And that can be a challenge for any organisation, any business as well, because obviously you want to make sure that you're investing to get some sort of action, whether it's donation, a sign up. And it's all about just making something that's really entertaining. So that will be interesting. And I'm obviously looking to see how TikTok goes and how it performs against Instagram, mm. sort of what charities are doing there. So more research for me, I think. Well, there's our homework, James. We need to get the Do More Good TikTok account and there's certainly land that we can grab on TikTok, I reckon. Start practicing our dance moves. <laughs> I, I, it was interesting to talk about engaging content. That's always been a struggle for us, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, look, Alice, we'll, le- we'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you thank you for your, for your support. I know you always kind of given us reply on the tweets and you understand what we're trying to do with this so it's great that we can hopefully give you some kind of platform to to let people know what what you're about and uh, and what you're trying to achieve so please keep it going and hopefully we'll get to catch up with you soon yeah thank you so much uh yeah i was obviously bribed by james but i am a big fan <laughs> <laughs> no that's great alice all right you take care james we'll catch up soon shall we we'll do all right Thanks, take guys. care guys Cheers. thank you so much guys Thanks for tuning in to the Spotlight series from the Do More Good podcast. You can find our main episodes at domoregood.uk and we're on Twitter and Instagram at domoregoodpod. If you fancy featuring on Spotlight, then head to domoregood.uk forward slash spotlight and get in touch. We'll speak to you soon.